Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? What up? How we doing? I hope all is going well for everyone. We are back to wrap up and finish the Christology conversation. Um, but before we do that, we got to talk about beer. And we are sharing a beer this week um, from Belching Beaver. As you all know, we love, or I love, I don't think you've had anything. I haven't Belching had Beaver. anything from Belching Beaver. So this is going to be not your greatest first experience. Um, Clayton knows my beer palate too well. Yeah, um, I love Belching Beaver, but this is the Sling Your Hook um, Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout. Um, it is brewed with sea salt and caramel, um, and it is 11% ABV. And so Ooh. what it says is, after nine glorious years, you'd think we run out of ideas for beers. But you'd be wrong. Our nine-year anniversary beer, a unique sipping brew with the distinctive nose of a well-crafted bourbon, is silky smooth and rich flowing caramel. We also added a pinch of salt to balance the roasted coffee notes and chocolate-like malt character of an imperial stout. It's so good, you'll tell anyone trying to get their grubby paws on it, sling your hook. That sounds delicious. Uh, So delicious. I'm going to get some more water. Okay. I, I'm finna pour these. Um, I am actually pretty excited about this. Um, you guys know that the, my favorite thing from Belching Beaver is the, uh, Hazer's Gonna Haze. Um, and then the, the Deftones Phantom Bride one, um, both very good. Um, so I'm, ooh, look at that color. That is pretty. (laughs) Yeah, Cullen just said it's black as night. And yes, it is. It is quite gorgeous. (laughs) Beginning of Genesis 1 black. Uh, The darkness that covered the the earth. The blackest that black could be. All right. What's the ABV on this? 11. Ooh, drink responsibly, kids. Yeah, that's why we're... Cheers. Cheers. Splitting this. Oh, oh my gosh. Whoa. Golly. Oh. You Could know what it it smell r- more like chocolate? That's the, like, bigot... That's what you're getting? Yes. Yeah, so I'm getting chocolate. like granola bars. Oh, there's definitely granola. And oh, like, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like, there, but. I definitely get the chocolate, but the granola is the so. The chocolate is so pungent. And I like, I'm, you know, it's I'm, like, I mean, you could tell the viscosity on this beer is really oh, thick. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to be silky and milky and creamy and. Ooh. And it smells. It's, it even has that. Uh, is it a? Is it's not a milk stout, is it? No, it is not. Oh, I definitely get the caramel too. Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah. That's ev- oh yeah. The caramel is everywhere. This smells like a flipping dessert. It really does. It really smells. You know what it smells like? It smells like a turtle. Like a caramel, mm. like a salted caramel turtle. I don't the, get that, but I cannot get the like granola bar fig Newton type thing. Oh, fig. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, fig's a good shout. There's a lot of fig notes in this. Yeah, fig. Fig. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Right. I can't cheers, buddy. Yeah, cheers. Oh. That's straight Fig Newton on the palate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tastes like they took a, a, a Fig Newton and, and dipped it dipped in, in chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, that's exactly what it did. And like, oh, with some, oh, there's the car, the, the sea yeah, salt caramel yeah, and got right like there a, developing on the back. Almost wow. like as if they just dusted like sea salt and caramel on top of it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it tastes like. So that sounds like something you'd be interested in. You'd love this because that's beer. exactly what it tastes like. Man, I can't. It's hard for me to even taste it. I'm so fascinated with the aromatics of it. Dude, everything about this beer is fascinating because the the caramel and the sea salt develop like after everything. Do you think it should work? Yeah, it should work. I'm not sure I agree that it should work. Why? Clayton, if I if if I was like, hey dude, so if you don't know, listeners. Uh, most of the time Clayton comes over here, I've usually got some kind of food that I've dreamed up and I've cooked. Yeah. And so there's usually leftovers around here. I'm like, Hey, you want to try something? Clayton's always like, heck yeah, I want to try something. Free food. Hey Clayton. Um, if you came over here and I was like, Hey dude, I I dipped some fig Newton bars in chocolate. You think you, you think you like real excited to try that? I would say, hell yeah, buddy. (laughs) Same team. Let's go. (laughs) Damn, okay. (laughs) I actually love Fig Newton bars. Okay. Um, I I don't, I mean, I don't hate them, but I just, I guess. It's like a nostalgic thing from childhood, I guess. I don't know. Boy, we were poor. We couldn't afford Fig Newton bars. (laughs) After we moved to Inouye. Oh, I was like, you getting that from Grandma's house? What the heck? We were poor. (laughs) Nah, nah. Not when we were in our poverty days. (laughs) um, I love it, though. I like it. Um, So we The salted caramel, it it cuts enough of the sweet that it's just, it works. What? You don't get it until like the very end. It would like be a second or two delayed. Though. Yeah, it's a second or two delayed, and then you get that salted caramel thing. Yeah, it is it's insane. Almost like, it's it's almost incredible. Like it's only a finishing flavor, yeah. which is nice. It is incredible. I don't know. I don't know uh, how they did it, but <laughs> way to go, Belching Beaver. That's three for three. I love it. Where are you grading it? And what what category are you putting it? Just as a regular old stout? Yeah. Okay. This is a stout. Um There's no lactose adjunct? No. Okay. So by the way, listener, um our average beer rating, I did all the math on this last week, is seven point six. So anything that falls above seven point six um is above average for us. Okay. Um and I think I'm sitting at an eight. I don't hate the eight score. Um, 
I can't give it an eight. Well, I don't know. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take our two ratings of this and I'm going to like take the median and that's going to be our official rating of this beer. Man, if I'm judging against other stouts, I think I'm going like eight one. It's, I mean, it's a really good stout. It, yeah. So we're sitting at like a 8.5. 8. Or oh, not, 8.05. 8. Yeah. 8. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a really good beer. It's fantastic. Um, really good. Really, really well done. Really complex. Really enjoyable brew. Um, and Cullen doesn't even like barrel-aged beers. I don't. I, yeah. I, I really don't. I, I'm much more of a hophead. Um if if you want to punch me with hops from the from the get go, uh, that's usually my kind of beer. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Okay, so we should probably start this conversation. We should. Um, so, in a conversation about Christology, the next place that Ben and Randy want us to go, Chalcedon. Uh, no, we talked about Chalcedon to end last episode. Oh, you are correct. Um, my bad. They want us to talk about the ways in which you can overemphasize one of the two natures of Jesus. So you can overemphasize the divinity, or you can overemphasize the humanity. Two main ways um, that you can overemphasize the divinity of Jesus. Here's one. Okay, pay attention. It's called docetism. Dokeo is the Greek word for the Greek verb to seem, mm-hmm. as if something seems. Uh, docetism is the belief that Jesus only seemed to be human. To be human. Interesting. But yeah. that he's only really divine. Um, and that he just appeared to have human qualities, characteristics, and attributes. Yeah, so when I read that, I was a little confused, but it makes sense now. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and that's because, once again, they're kind of given over to a Gnostic idea that matter is bad. Yeah, true. So they want to overemphasize the divinity mm. to get rid of the material world elements. Mm-hmm. Um Then there's this other one, and it's a really weird, like, heavily given over to Greek philosophy kind of idea. It's not mainstream. I mean, it kind of, it's it is, but it's not, and it's really not mainstream today. Um, Apollinarianism, and this was the idea that Jesus was divine. And he's also human. But it's almost as if his divinity replaced his human soul. Mm-hmm. He did not have a human soul. So he's not comprised to be a human like you are. He has a body like you. But interesting. Your person, what is your soul and spirit, have been replaced for him with divinity. Yeah. Mm. 
And their main route for this is like John one. Yeah. Um, the logos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then you have the overemphasis of Jesus humanity. Two main ways that you can do this. One is Arianism, which we've, we've talked about. Already talked about at length, mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna. The other one is adoptionism. Basically, um, Jesus, the human, is adopted as the Son of God. So it's almost as if. It was somebody who. Well, it's almost as if Jesus is a is Jesus, and and then God bestows upon him divinity. divinity yeah, um, Which, specifically at his baptism. Well, what 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 would you do with the the virgin birth and all of that in that narrative in that reading? So, what they would they would say is just human. He's just like a special human. That God knew he was going to do something with, but he's like, but he's human. And then at his baptism, God bestows godness on him. Interesting. Or uh, quote unquote, adopts him as son, Mm -hmm. which brings about this, which to your point, the problem here is really like the big problem piece here is John one. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the big problem piece here. All right. Um, Man, do we really want to go through all these? No. Um, We've talked about a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to skip that. Um, some of those. There's some other ones in here like Nestorianism, uh, monophysicism, modalism. There's a long story short, there are a lot of different ways. <laughs> That someone could go about overemphasizing one of the two natures um, of Jesus over the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Ben and Randy are trying to argue is that somehow you want to try to hold them in perfect balance. Yeah. You're really going to struggle. Mm-hmm. We've talked quite a bit about this. It, it's not easy. Um, honestly, it may not even be possible. Uh, yeah, like for instance, you know, I think I used this example before, but if you ever go up to somebody and, um, and ask them a question or something and somehow Jesus gets brought up, if their response is, oh yeah, but he's Jesus. They've overemphasized the divinity of Jesus because yeah. they've they've made it as if Jesus can do things that we cannot do, mm, which we're told it's not true, right? Or the other way to do that, um, I'm trying to think, we don't really have this problem of overemphasizing the humanity of Jesus anymore. Oh, one way that somebody would do that would be like, well, um. But Jesus didn't actually conquer death. Mm-hmm. Like the resurrection didn't actually happen. Well, you're overemphasizing the humanity that divinity 
can't be present in order to do something supernatural I, I, like that. Yeah, I was going to say miracles in general. Miracles in general are fine. Uh, usually the resurrection is the one that people get real weird about. Um, I actually had a conversation with a couple guys not too long ago about water to wine. And they were like, some grapes fell in that water, huh? <laughs> is that what they said yeah well like we all agree that grapes, grapes fell in, fell the, in uh, that right? water uh, i was like uh no sir i don't think i agree with you there the miracles thing i don't have like the miracles thing don't they're not a struggle for me i know yeah. a lot of people are on that struggle bus hey i'm with you i want you to get off of it at your own time at your own pace uh it just—it's not a struggle bus for me. No, um, miracles aren't hard. But I do know that it is a struggle bus for some people. Yeah. Um, let's talk about like some modern or contemporary things that show up in Christological conversations. Okay. Um, Protestant liberalism needs to be talked about here. Protestant liberalism is pretty common. Um, Going to be more common in left-leaning areas of the country. Um, be very prominent in progressive communities. Um, pretty common in secular settings, universities urban areas, um, pretty common UK belief uh, as well. And this would be, Protestant liberalism would be this. Mm -hmm. Jesus is kind of a dude, definitely lived, was a good person, kind of like a moral exemplar of sorts. Yeah. Uh, but no miracles, no resurrection, no son of God. Yeah. No, none of that. Completely rejecting the divinity of Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe at best some kind of adoptionist position mm -hmm. at the baptism. Um, and even then, that suspect. Um, so that would be one contemporary like relevance uh, thing. The other one would be um kind of like super staunched fundamentalism about Jesus and Christology of Jesus specifically um and I think we're going to talk about it next chapter next chapter uh, oh no next chapter is holy spirit yeah um it's going to come up but and maybe this is a setup for a next chapter, but the intersectionality of all of these beliefs is insane when you can see them um, at the 30,000-foot view. But um, the fundamentalist one would show up in, like, eschatology. Mm. Um which the is so, riding the white horse thing, and yeah. which is so strange to me because the eschatological elements of that fundamentalist position uh, really overemphasize the divinity of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, 
to the point that they almost don't even make him human. Um, which is strange. I don't when you when you overemphasize the divinity of Jesus, what you've done is you've you've put back the chasm he was trying to take away. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel. God with us. God like, with us. Yeah. He was trying to bridge a gap that you are trying to make not available to him. Mm-hmm. Um, let him be with us. Let him be present. Let him be human, darn it. Yeah, I, I think that that comes from a place of comfort. I think just knowing that, <laughs> honestly, you're, a good way to word it is at least you know Jesus allowed himself to die in some way. You know what I mean? It's not like he was powerless. You know, and the, like there's some comfort in making him this distant thing that is more than I am. You know, there's... That makes sense. They don't have to worship a God who, who died in, of sorts. You know what I mean? Well, if you need that, I mean, you still have... The first existence of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. You still have the mm-hmm. parental element. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, the it, it overemphasis of the divinity piece really, uh, it has always struggled me because it, it's, counter, it's counter to the claim. It's counter to what's trying to be accomplished. <clears throat> Emmanuel is what we're going for. What did the beginning of the darn story tell me? What did Genesis 1 and 2 tell me? That God wanted a place to be present with humanity here on this world? Yeah. And then we screwed that up? Mm -hmm. And so now God has taken the rest of the story and trying to right that wrong? Yep. Um, And he chose to do that with Emmanuel. God coming down to be present with us. And yet we keep trying to put him back up there. And it's gotten so bad that we've created a narrative in our head where we have to go meet him up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the way in which your Christology shows up in your eschatology is not talked about enough. It's one of my critiques of Ben and Randy's book, actually. When they when they sent it over to a bunch of us for comments. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my first one in the eschatology chapter was there's not enough Christology present. But I think there needs to be a balance. You can't we can't just jump back and forth. We can't, you know, have this element of Jesus' being being human and this element being divine. Um, But in the same way, we need to try to live in this balance. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, American Christians, in my experience, struggle allowing Jesus to be human. Yeah, um, it seems like it's one extreme or the other, though. It is. You know, it's either he's only human or he's only God. Right. 
Um, well, but he's Jesus. But he's Jesus, right? Like 100% God, 100% man, homo, we see uh, all that stuff that we talked about last week. It is both. Um, and you have to acknowledge both. Um, because really what Jesus, like you were saying, was trying to build, bridge the gap between God and humanity. Mm-hmm. And so if you take one of those elements away, that bridge falls apart. Correct. And it's it's just a fundamental issue. Correct. Yep. Um, couple final notes. Um, original sin... Clayton, what is original sin? So, original sin is the sin that is passed down from Adam. The the original first sin. sin. Yeah, correct. The first sin um. that tainted the whole world, and now we're all born with it. That idea. Correct. Did Jesus have original sin? Do we have original sin? Oh, fair question. Yes, young grasshopper. Do we have original sin? I don't know. <laughs> this is, is actually is original yeah. sin a thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, that's a good question and one that I've kind of been wrestling with, but also not also realizing that sin is not the enemy, death is. So original sin is not something that is a big conversation topic for me. Well, it should still be in. It should still be in a big conversation topic because original sin. If sin leads to death, mm-hmm. then what original sin is asking is: is when a person is born, are they capable mm-hmm. of death? Mm. Hmm. Fair point. So, is original sin a thing? I mean, I think you would. There are times that I, I want to say. Yes, but then there's, excuse me, times that I want to say no. Um, because there are babies that die in utero. Um, oh, I didn't ask and you. So, I didn't ask you if there was or was not grace for original No, sin. no, that's not what I'm asking. Yeah. That's, not, that's not the conversation we're having. Okay. But the fact that they can die. Means what? That there is original sin. Correct. Yeah. Yes, original sin exists in the world. Yeah. Uh, that is Genesis 3 and the curses of which God gives. Sin has entered the world and impacted all of existence, even down to the fact that the earth, creation itself, will now bear thorns and thistles. That is a curse upon the earth. All of existence has been tainted by sin, the original sin, and has therefore been impacted by said sin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It's Augustine, the 4th century uh, CE, that says it's important that Jesus is born of a virgin because he is born without original sin. Why would he be born without original sin? Is that a real question? Mm-hmm. Why would he? Why is Jesus so born that he in Augustine's be- eyes? What about his existence makes him not have original sin? Because he's God and he has to be blameless. 
No, 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 not why. Okay. How did it happen? What what about the story of Jesus's uh, introduction into us as human? Uh, what makes him void of original sin? What makes him different? The fact that Mary didn't have sex to create there's no, him. There's no semen. Yeah. There's no sperm. Mm. Um, which Augustine argued the sins of, of a father. father are passed down. So virgin birth in Reformed traditions is very important because <clears throat> it alleviates Jesus of original sin. I have never heard that perspective before. Oh, yes. This is a very big deal. Really? In Christological conversations, if you were part of the Reformed tradition, this is a very big deal. Can I say something real frank? You can. This sounds like nonsense to me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think the, the, like... Theological movements work. They work, um, but <laughs> it, okay. If if sin can be passed through a man's semen, uh-huh. a man would have had to create Mary. Therefore, she would have original sin. Therefore, her body would be tainted by sin. Uh, not if you didn't believe women were contributors to society, you wouldn't. Fair point. If all you viewed them as was surrogates? Fair point. No. But that does create an interesting conversation surrounding original sin. Because if original sin is truly passed down, Mary would have had original sin. Not if you do not believe that females are contributors of society. But what I'm saying is you and I don't sustain that belief that, that they are only contributors. I don't I don't believe yeah. that you, a person mm-hmm. born the minute that you come out of your mother, mm-hmm. have sin. Mm-hmm. I believe you can die mm-hmm. because I believe your person has been affected, mm-hmm. A-F-F-E-C-T, mm-hmm. affected by sin. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you have sin. Hmm. How do you get there? Because the earth itself is impacted by sin. Sin has entered the atmospheric existence. Mm. When someone is birthed into said atmosphere, they have been affected, not affected, affected by said sin. Fair enough. Almost as if I drew a circle on a whiteboard and I drew a picture of a person in that circle, uh, you have one of three options. I can take my black marker. Dang, that's good beer. Uh, It (laughs) is good beer. I can take my black marker and I can put speckled dots inside the circle, but all around the human, Yeah, but not inside the human. Mm -hmm. And sin has only impacted the existence around said human. Mm -hmm. I can do the inverse, where only the human has the speckled blacks mm-hmm. reflecting the sin, and the atmosphere has none. The existence of them has none, but the person themselves has all the sin. Or it can be both. The person and the existence have been impacted by sin. Sure. 
I personally believe the existence of the person is impacted by sin. And until the person commits a sin, it has not impacted their person effectively until then. Effectively, it has. Yeah. Do you see the hermeneutical jumps I'm making? Okay. Yeah, and they are jumps. They are hermeneutical. <laughs> These are theological conversations, yeah. though. Um, no, I hear you. And, like, I, I, I don't know, man. This is just such a complicated conversation, um, the idea of original sin, and especially having a conversation about Jesus having original sin. Um, <clears throat> because I would say, I don't know if you would, but I would say that it's not necessarily outside the creeds to say that Jesus was born with original sin. Mm, yeah, it would be. You would say that it's outside the creeds? Mm-hmm. Why? Um, because if he has original sin, he can't be sinless. But you need him so to be the perfect sacrifice. How is he not affected by sin? Affected, not affected. Okay. There's a very vast difference there. Effected means that cause and effect. Affect means byproduct. Mm-hmm. Means happenstance. Happened mm-hmm. in an adjacent vicinity to me. Uh, I have been impacted by said action, but I have not received the effects of the cause. I was a bystander that was affected or impacted by those actions, but I was not effected. You see the difference? I mean, I hear you, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sure it does. Do you think that you should be held accountable in the same way if you commit a premeditated sin as if a sin happens in your vicinity? So, for instance, should you be held to the same level of accountability if a murder happened in your vicinity and you had to talk to an, a police officer? No. That's being affected. Sure. By an existence of something happening in your existence. Mm. Being affected by something happening in your existence is you pulled the trigger. Right. Are both of those equal? No. No. So it matters whether it's affected or affected, correct? Mm. Sure. It matters that Jesus is affected by sin and not affected because we need Jesus to be the sinless, perfect sacrifice. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. That's the that's the argument of the tradition. Okay. Dope. <laughs> that's Jesus, people. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.